0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 17th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Reconciling a religious faith with both libertarian ideas and notions of the common good shouldn't be too difficult. And yet so many critics view libertarian thinking as perfectly incompatible with, say, Catholicism. Stephanie Slade is managing editor at Reason Magazine and author of a new piece in America Magazine, A Libertarian Case for the Common Good. We spoke this week. There are several things I want to get to here that are interrelated. One is reconciling faith with being a libertarian. And for other people, the confusion is over reconciling being a libertarian with any notion of the common good whatsoever. So you're a Catholic? I'm a Quaker. My producer Jeff is Jewish. So when you try to reconcile your faith with your libertarian inclinations and first principles, is that a difficulty for you?
1: It's not. I, I've never I've never really seen the problem the way many people seem to think there is a problem here. Um and one of the things that um, that came came out when I was doing the research for this piece was I was reading all the critics and what they had to say about libertarianism from a Catholic perspective. And what I realized was a lot of those criticisms are um, a definition that they have that is not at all the definition that we would use of what it means to be li- a libertarian or what libertarianism is all about.
0: Okay. So when people complain about economists, and this is similar to the way people complain about libertarians, they view economists as homo economicus. And they will do absolutely anything to uh, move their total utility up and out on the chart. And for economists, look at that and they say, what a a dismal life that would be (laughs) if I were only thinking about dollars and making all of my life into these little transactions that what do I get? What am I giving up? That sort of thing. And for you you've identified, which is, uh, I think, a common complaint among libertarians is that the critics of libertarianism misunderstand how libertarians feel about the notion of community.
1: Right. They think that we are atomistic. They think that we reject the idea of humans having any dependency on each other, whether sort of in a in a pragmatic sense that we that we somehow are all just we believe that we could all just live alone in in sort of like a compound separated from all human interaction. And also that we think that, you know, human interaction isn't a good unto itself. And if we did believe those things, if you did have a group of people that thought that people could live totally separate from from one another, then that would be probably a difficult thing to reconcile with, especially the Catholic understanding of the common good. But that is not. I mean, that's that's quite divorced from what any any of us who sort of work in this world and advocate these ideas actually mean when we talk about them. So I actually I found this quote from Virginia Postrel. From years ago, and, and she said, "Listen, the market is liberating, but it is not as its critics charge atomistic, except in the sense that atoms have a tendency to form molecules which in turn create larger structures and I really like that. I think that that gets at the point
0: so when we get to, when we talk about the common good and how it's understood, and I know you've uh, dealt with some people who are less than pleasant with respect to understanding the very notion of a Catholic who is a libertarian, what is the operational definition that you use for the common good.
1: I went straight to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, so the official teachings of the Church. I did not want to be trying to, you know write a definition that then they could come back and say, "Well, that's not really what it means." So I, I found what the Church says, which is that the common good is the sum total of social conditions which allow people, either as groups or as individuals, to reach their fulfillment more fully and more easily.
0: All right. And how does that jive with how libertarians tend to understand the common good or I, I guess an idea of what libertarianism is as a political philosophy?
1: Yeah, because it's not it's certainly true. I mean, the critics have a point that libertarians don't tend to walk around talking about the common good. We don't tend to use that language. And in many cases, libertarians are they we bristle a little bit at the idea of a common good. But but I think that's unnecessary. And um, one of the things I'm trying to do here is build a bridge between these two groups that are, are like Peering skeptically at each other. But I don't I don't think it's necessary for us to be so skeptical of each other, because when you talk to a libertarian about what we believe and why we support what we support, why do you support, you know, freedom and and free markets? Very often what you'll hear is people will say. I believe that free markets create the conditions for human flourishing, which sounds an awful lot like that definition I just read of what the church says the common good is. It's the, it's the sum total of the conditions that allow people to reach their fulfillment. We're, we're actually talking about the same thing. We just, for some reason, have come to a point where we see the other, we think the other person means something totally different when they use the language they use.
0: Why do you think these misconceptions persist? And what should libertarians be using more of this kind of language to communicate?
1: I thought a lot about this because it's true. Again, it's cr- true that we tend to not think about the common good. Libertarians tend to hate the idea of a common good in in some cases. But I think that that's because we are reacting to people on the left who say common good. But what they mean is the political commitments and the policies that I like as a lefty Democrat. So what they mean is they say common good. They mean wealth redistribution. They mean public policy that bolsters you know, unions. They mean all this stuff. And libertarians here, it, it, it seems quite sort of opportunistic to us because we say, hey, wait a second, we were talking about creating the, the conditions for human flourishing, and you've now moved on to talking about specific policies and essentially say unless we support those policies, then we're not actually in favor of the conditions that create human flourishing. It, it erases the ability to have differences of opinion about how to get to that end point.
0: Religious conservatives and conservatives more broadly have this different view of what the role of the state is, and they might have problems with your uh, reconciling libertarianism with Catholicism. So what what are the criticisms from the right that either have salience with you or are helpful to sort of understand what we're, you're trying to get at?
1: The strongest argument I hear from the right, and some people on the left make this as well, is that if we don't have laws that, that um, reflect our morality, people will sort of lose sight of that morality. People won't learn, future generations won't learn the difference between right and wrong. Because here, I, you know, I spent a lot of time saying, hey, it's totally possible to think something is immoral without wanting it to also be illegal. You could feel that way. I mean, we I think most of us feel that way about things like adultery. It's immoral, but we don't want the government coming in and trying to enforce that. But they come back and they say, well, if you start making everything legal, don't we as a society forget that some things are immoral and then and then anything goes? And, and the example you hear a lot is the sort of sexual revolution. So once, you know, abortion is legal, once birth control is legal, once now gay marriage is legal, doesn't that mean that anything goes?
0: And that speaks to, I think, a conservative concern that we talked about before we started recording of the fragility of a lot of these institutions.
1: Right. So they're worried. And you hear them say this explicitly. Our institutions are fragile. Uh, The thing that gave us this amazing world we get to live in was built carefully over time. And so we need to defend those institutions, you know, rigorously from the forces of modernity that want to tear them down.
0: I hear that from some libertarians
1: even. Mm -hmm. Sure. I think the, the strongest argument against that sort of from my perspective is that although it may be true that having good laws in place teaches people right and wrong in a certain way you're not always the ones that get to make the laws right we're not we're certainly not usually the ones making the laws and even if you're more solidly um in the sort of r camp or d camp you know team red team blue uh if the last six years or so hasn't taught you that what's you know when one one moment seems ascendant for one side that can change pretty damn quickly uh i don't know what could teach that lesson because that that you just don't know who's going to come in and assume the reins of power after you're gone um, and you don't know what they're going to do with that power. And so rather than seizing the moment that you're that you're in charge, that that, you know, your team has control and passing the laws to try to teach people your version of morality, if you just step back and say, hey, there's lots of other ways for us to try to keep the flame alive, you know, to you have, we have families, we have churches, we have so many civil society institutions that can preserve Um, these ideas of morality that people are worried about losing without going all the way to bring in the state.
0: So the mediating institutions of life that uh, give us community, something that is important to most people. Right. Including uh, libertarians. Including libertarians. But do do you think that uh, conservatives more broadly have a Maybe they're too concerned about the fragility of the institutions that they want to defend. Because my my natural inclination is if this is an institution that is worth defending, and one, it doesn't imply that there's state action required in order to defend this institution. But if these institutions are valuable and deliver so much to the common good... Do they need state support?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think they do. I, very few things, in my view, should be illegal. We should resist the urge to use the state to to impose things, even if we think they're important. And it should it should be a last resort. I, I make that point in this piece. And interestingly, the church, the church in its teachings, I, I read back through like a hundred 40 years worth of Catholic teachings from the popes, and they agree that that the state should be the last resort, that the church has a role, that families have a role, that there are lots of other ways to try to keep our society moving in the right direction, and the church doesn't say that there should be no government. It would be hard to make the case for anarch- anarchism, you know, as a Catholic, after having read through all of these papal teachings, but it's not hard for me to make the case for small government libertarianism having read them, because that's actually kind of the default that that they're coming from.
0: A big difference between uh, left and right and libertarians, left and right on one side, libertarians on the other side, is the idea that you'll ever be in charge of the institutions that are, are being tasked with enforcing whatever vision of morality you want the state to execute. Libertarians, of course, presume that we will never be in charge of any of these institutions. And left and right seem to think, well, we just got to keep fighting and then we'll be in charge, then we'll impose it, then everyone will see how great our vision of morality that we want the state to execute is going to be. What does that give us in terms of how we think about these things different than these other groups?
1: Yeah, I guess it gives us a leg up in the sense of we're used to being out in the wilderness. So so it's not just a specter that we're worried about after the next election. What if we're kicked out of power? We're used to being outside of power. But, you know, we, we also have that as a philosophical commitment prior. You know, we think that we, sh- we should be really reluctant to use the reins of the state to get what we want. Um, and so I guess if there's one silver lining to us always being out of power, it's that we already didn't want to use that power to do a whole lot. Other than,
0: <laughs> We have a certain clarity that these other guys might not have because what their vision of society may be so close. It's so tantalizingly close. We just got to get in power and we don't have any illusions about that ever happening. Stephanie Slade is managing editor of Reason Magazine and author of a new piece in America Magazine, A Libertarian Case for the Common Good. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts. And when you think about it, ask Alexa, play the Cato Daily Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.